Read verse 3, join me on verse 4, and read every other verse with me. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 3 through 7. For as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. And such trust have we through Christ to Godward. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. And read verse 7 with me, please. But if the ministration of death, written and engraved in stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness, Lord. Thank you for um, the opportunity to have a Bible, Lord. And thank you for the privilege of uh, having the opportunity to hear someone preach your word. And I pray, Father, that each of us would listen attentively, Lord. I pray that uh, you would speak to each heart. And I pray that you would fill Brother Hooker with the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord. Thank you for him. Bless he and his family, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.
so good to have everybody here and I'm glad you came out. It's been a little bit chilly the last couple of days and closed down all of Memphis for that blizzard. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> that was amazing. I, I told somebody that that's probably am I on here? Yeah. Hold on. Is this working? It's working. Yeah, I told somebody that uh, when I was around Memphis here years ago about 98% of the time when they predicted snow, it didn't come. And the only time we got a big snow is when they said it'd be no accumulation. And so, uh, and uh, my dad went, to, we had 16 inches of snow when I was a kid and they started out no accumulation. And my dad walked out with 16 inches of snow and said, son, this is the deepest no accumulation I've ever seen in my life. And so um, <clears throat> it's pretty much that way. But, but I'm thrilled that you came out next Sunday. Hopefully get everybody geared up because it's going to be springtime already. Uh, here it's supposed to be about 60 degrees or 60 something or something like that. So that's going to be amazing. Uh, we're going to have an Easter egg hunt. Um, but uh, I, that was a wonderful passage of scripture that Brother Hopper read. It's just the wrong one. So, um, <laughs> so I probably told him wrong. But uh, if you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Verse 3 through 7. I started to get up and stop him, but I thought, no, nah, I won't, you know, they're not listening anyway, so. <laughs> so, uh, but I'm, uh, I'm preaching this morning, 
and uh, hopefully it'll be a help of blessing to somebody. Uh, God put this on my heart several days ago, and I couldn't get away from it, but the, the title, so to speak, is Why Do Good People Suffer? Why Do Good People Suffer? And I want you to go to verse 3 of chapter 1 of Second Corinthians. It says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Notice it's the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Not some comfort. It's not a, he won't comfort you a little. It says it's all comfort. Who comforteth us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. By the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer, or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of the sufferings, so shall ye also be, all, uh, so shall ye be also of the consolation. Father, I pray that you bless this morning, Lord Jesus. I pray that you guide my mind, my thoughts, and, and Lord, help me to be a help and encouragement to the people. Lord, there's some that they're going through trial right now and they couldn't be here this morning. And, and Lord, I, I would love for them to be able to hear this this morning. And, but Lord, unless you speak through me, it'll help no one. And so Holy Spirit of God, I yield myself to thee and I ask you to fill me with your presence and power. Dear God, especially this morning that you'd anoint me that something might be said that would be an encouragement to someone that's struggling. Please, in Jesus' name, amen. As I prepared this sermon or began... I was writing this at the time and I said, I'm aware and nearly overwhelmed with the trials and tribulations that people are going through right now. I began to write this early one morning. I said, I woke this morning before rising from my bed. I poured out my heart to God for Rowan, a little eight month old girl fighting for her life with staph infection in her lungs. As I got up and began to continue in prayer and preparation of this sermon, I, I thought of my daughter as she had been rushed into the operating room for an emergency C-section. As my wife described to me that all of a sudden the doctor just started to tell everybody to run, to hurry. As I write this, I was thinking of my dad who was fighting illness. I was thinking of the Hansons who were both fighting illness and still this morning are. I was thinking of Brother Felton and Brother Cummings both fighting illness. I'm thinking of Brother Foster that just struggling to be able to see again out of his eye. I was thinking of a young boy who had just had surgery to remove a tumor from his brain. I was thinking of a missionary who must make a heartbreaking decision. 
I was thinking of a family whose little two-year-old ran off in the woods and died in the cold and the rain. And it was all these and so many more people. And they were struggling. And God got pressed upon my heart and just said, what do they need? What do they need? And that's when he took me to this passage of scripture and he said, they need comfort. They need comfort. You ever been to see someone or met someone or had a loved one that was going through something terrible and, and you wanted so bad to comfort them, to help them, and you don't know what to say? You don't know what to do? And to be honest with you, sometimes in our struggle, we'll say some of the, the most horrible things. My daughter, when she lost her husband, it, it, was, it was hard for her to go to church at times because people would walk up to her and trying to comfort her, trying to make conversation with her, they would say some of the things that, that you think, oh my goodness, what are you thinking? Probably within a month after her husband passed away, she was at church and a man walked up to her and he, making conversation, he said, he said, uh, are you going to go by your maiden name now or are you still going by your married name? And I can still remember her just staring at the fella. And I know he was just trying to make conversation. He was trying to do something. I'm not sure what he was trying to, but... I thought she was just going to crumble. I had to help her walk out of the place. Just, it, it's amazing. We're struggling. When the scripture says the God of all comfort, this is what's such a blessing. He says he's the God of all comfort. When the scripture says he's God of all comfort, this is what it means. And as I kind of formulated my own statement from the definition, it means our God, almighty God and powerful God who will come to our bedside. Isn't that amazing? When we need comfort the most, God will come to our bedside. As I was preparing this, I began to pray and I think, oh Lord, Erica and is there beside her little baby, Sean and Erica, beside that little eight-month-old baby. And I, and I saw a picture of them, had a picture of them standing beside the bed with her hand on, a, on that little baby as the little baby was unconscious. And, and, and I looked at that and I thought, Lord, if they could just see right now, if they just knew right now, maybe they do, but Lord, right now, you're beside the bed with them. He's the one who stands with us and he holds us when our legs give away. Again, I, I can remember as, as I stood in a hospital room with my daughter when, when we watched her 23-year-old her husband take his last breath and I remember as he took that breath, my daughter collapsed and, and I was holding her up. She, her legs gave way. And God says, I'm there when that happens. All comfort comes from God. But as we read the passage, we see, listen, this was so wonderful. We see that that comfort that God gives to us is to be distributed by us to others who need comfort. 
The scripture says the father of mercies and the God of all comfort who comforted us in all our tribulation. Listen to this, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. And how do we comfort them? Listen, the reason sometimes we struggle is because we're trying to make our comfort in our own selves. But God says that comfort that we can comfort them with by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. God said, the comfort that I brought to you, now you can bring to someone else. People need comfort from each other. But listen to this, but no one can give comfort until he has received comfort from God. My daughters, they'll jokingly say, and I don't mean to be too somber today, and, and, I, and I can't go a whole thing without saying something stupid. So, uh, but my daughters, they, they will joke. Every time they get ready to make a new CD, they will get together and they'll say, we got to pray that Brooke runs into some kind of trial or trouble because Brooke is our songwriter. She's written the most of the songs and they know she doesn't write songs when she's happy. She writes songs when she's going through a trial. So our daughters will say, okay, start praying Brooke goes through a trial because we need some new songs. And I'll think, girls, that's not really the nicest thing to do for your sister. But she will. She'll go through a trial and, and some of the most beautiful songs will come out of that trial. And those songs that, that we hear all over the nation as we travel, we would hear that, that that song comforted somebody else's heart. She wrote a song years ago. She just had her first miscarriage. And I'd say first because the little thing, she's had seven. And she's gone through a lot and, and gone through a lot of trials in, in Africa, a lot of trials, uh, losing babies in Africa and different things that have gone on. But she lost her first child. They were on deputation. And, and, so, and uh, while they were traveling, she's at a home. She knows no one where she's staying. She's at someone's home. She doesn't even know these people at some church. And she had her miscarriage there all alone in that place. And, and Mike was having to preach and having to do And she's all alone in a room when she calls. And out of that, though, came a song called Hold On. Hold on in the dark times. And she's wrote the song. I'd love for you to hear it sometime and, and would have taken time to, you know, maybe to replay it this morning. But she wrote that, that song. It just poured out. And, and over the last probably uh, seven or eight years or more, we, we consistently hear from people all over the nation. One, uh, in one month's time, we heard from three different pastors or pastor's wives who said they were going through horrible trials in their churches and that that song they listened to every day, many, many times a day. You know why? She was going through a trial and God comforted her. But it wasn't just for her. It was so that that comfort could be passed on. Often people will say, why did this have to happen? Why do we have to go through this? Why would God allow this? And we all say that at times that we all get weak and we think, why? Why did this have to happen? Why do we have to go through this? Uh, the, the poor Higgins family, that's Sean and Erica Higgins, and, and my son-in-law is Dennis Higgins, and Sean is his brother. And, but the Higgins family, two and a half years ago, lost a little granddaughter to, 
to, uh, to cancer, leukemia, and, 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 and in Georgia. And Sean and Erica were in Georgia visiting that sister when, when the baby got sick. And, and the baby is in the same hospital two doors away from there where Sean's little niece passed away. And you think the Higgins family is there. Brother and Mrs. Higgins, they're there. And I think, oh my goodness, here's a family that's already lost a little granddaughter. And here they are looking like they may lose another little granddaughter. And, and these people are serving God. This is Pastor Higgins. He's, he started seven or eight churches in Philadelphia alone. And, and just such a man of God, been faithful all his life. And here he and his wife now lost a granddaughter. And now they have to walk past every day to go see their granddaughter. They have to walk walked past a room where they watched her little granddaughter die. And we say, why would this happen? These are good people. The reason is we live in a world of sin. And therefore people will suffer. Someone, someone will suffer a death. Someone must suffer illness. Someone must suffer heartache and loss. We live in a world where Satan is real. And he is attacking. And can I tell you, he attacks those that are serving him. We never want to be the ones that go through it, but someone must suffer. And therefore, someone always needs comfort. In order for there to be comforters, someone must find God in the trials and tribulation. Someone must seek God through it all. The God of all comfort will come to that person, that person's side will come with comfort. The need must be present. Listen to this. The need must be present before comfort will come. We wonder why do we have to go through this? Because until there is a need, there is no comfort. The need must be present before the comfort comes. The receiver of comfort can now become the presenter of comfort. And he cannot become, I cannot truly comfort someone until I've suffered. I can try. I can, I can do my best. I can tell them I love them. But truly to comfort someone, you can't do that until you have suffered. The greater the trial, the greater the comfort that will come. So why did this happen to you, to someone you love? One reason is so that you might be a greater tool in the hand of God to comfort others. The more trials you withstand, the greater the comfort you receive, the greater you can be used of God to comfort others in their need. 21 years ago, and most people don't really even know this, but 21 years ago, we were expecting our seventh child. And I believe being seven, the number of perfection, it was a boy. It had to be a boy. God couldn't do this to me. But I remember being called home one day and my wife is in writhing in pain. Called Mrs. Uh, Moffat. And she came over to be with my wife. 
because we had never experienced this before. But my wife had a miscarriage, they called it. She lost the baby. I remember taking her to the hospital and, and being there with her. and It was so hard. Even in the hospital, I, I was like everybody else, kind of wondered, God, why? We'd never experienced this before. While she was laying, recovering in the hospital, and the reality of what had happened to her was in her heart and her mind. This is what my wife said. She said to me, she said, Rob, I'm... I never really understood how to comfort a lady who had lost a baby until now. She said, I never really understood what they truly felt and what they just, they went through when they lost that little one until now. And since that time, she's been the comforter to multitude scores of ladies who've lost a baby. The worst thing about it all was some weeks later, my wife had a dream, woke up, and she told me, she said, I met our little girl in a dream. I, t I got to hold her in heaven. And I said, you met your what? She said, it's a, it was a girl, Rob. That ain't right, you know. Just. Illustration the, for you, this, those who have never suffered persistent reoccurring illness really don't understand how to comfort someone who has to battle it all their life. We just don't understand. The person who has never lost a child or a spouse cannot truly understand how to comfort one who has. It was horrible going through what Amber went through, but, but even still today, she gets phone calls especially from young girls who've lost a husband. And they call her and say, can you help me? And Amber always says to us, I feel so unworthy, but we tell her, no, you're the one that knows. You're the, ones that, you're the one that received the comfort of God, the mercy of God, and, and stayed with God. You're the one to tell them how to do that. A person who has never been laid off of a job facing or faced losing their home cannot understand the fear and pain many go through that have. So God lets us face things so that we might receive his comfort and that we might be one who brings his comfort to others. A person who is comforted, who allows themselves to be comforted, receives not only comfort, but the, this comfort brings salvation. Now, once you understand, it salvages them. And it's not, we're not just talking about eternal life salvation, but lives who are not comforted, when they go through trials, if they don't receive the comfort of God, if they don't receive that comfort of God through someone else who has received it, if they, and by that, if that say, if they reject that comfort, these lives crumble. You see people who 
fall apart. You see people whose, whose lives are devastated. I'm honest with you. Uh, when we were there with Amber that first year, it just seemed like so many times I would weep and pray and say, God, is she going to make it through this? Because so many people in trials like this become so bitter against God. But God says, and whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation. Do you know that sometimes, sometimes if you're suffering trial, if you're surf, suffering the, the heartache of, of, of a persecution even, if you're suffering something, listen, God of all comfort can come to you right now, this morning, and what will that do? It will salvage your life. But listen to, listen to me. It's not just salvaging your life. God now has enabled you to salvage someone else's life. People without comfort are on a path of destruction. People who receive and accept the comfort of God are on a path of destiny. A destiny of, 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 of serving God. A destiny of being filled with the peace and mercy of God. So the question comes, how can I help someone if I've never faced what they are facing? We must lead them to the word of God and his promises for he is the God of all comfort. What do I do if I've never been through this? Take them to the word of God. God's word will bring all comfort. That's where we have to go. Amen. The father of all comfort says he will never leave thee nor forsake thee. No matter what you're going through, God's still with you. He promises mercy to those who will endure. He says, take my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of the suffering and affliction of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. Listen, that says pitiful and of tender mercy means extremely compassionate. God is extremely compassionate when we're going through the trials of life because it breaks God's heart that we have to go through it. Sin. You say, did God do it to us? Now listen to me. No, the, the prince and power of the air rules this world right now. God allows what we go through. Yes, because God is the God of all, but I want you to understand he didn't bring it to you, but he's there to say, all right, it's the way we man chose sin. Sin has brought this into your life. Sin has brought this into the world, but God says, while you have to go through it. I'm beside your bed. I am with you. I'm holding you. I'm the God of all mercy. The God of all comfort. We can get through it. Once we have found the Lord of comfort, we can become the starting point of comfort and the next distributor of comfort. The greatest comfort that comes to anyone is when a person realizes they have been afflicted with the greatest affliction. When a person realizes that they have the greatest affliction is, of course, to be in sin. The greatest affliction is to be under the penalty of sin. When we're under that penalty of sin, that's an incredible affliction. But the God of all comfort sent his son to eternally comfort us. Sent his son Jesus to die for us, to give us eternal life. 
The affliction of sin, there's no greater affliction than the affliction of sin, which is unto death. But the God of all comfort came in the flesh of man to live, to suffer, and to die, that we might have eternal comfort. Jesus suffered above all so that he could bring eternal comfort to all. Somebody out here, and I don't know who, but I'm getting to know, and I know, but I know humanity, and I know all of us suffer. All of us are going through trials of life. All of us are going through things that, that others maybe don't even know about, and we don't broadcast, and, and there's a lot of heartache, and, 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 and I know that I'm not, I'm not some extraordinary individual as I look at it. It seems like every, every point, every place in family, and extended family, somebody's going through something that they're just calling and saying, would you please pray? Would you please pray? Would you please pray? And we're praying and we're begging God. And, and, I, and for the people in this room, as I find out what you're going through, I, I'm praying and asking God to he would please be there with you, that he would be that God of all comfort to you. But as we go through these things, as, as we go through these trials, I'm, I'm telling you, the devil will come and he'll lie to you and he'll tell you that nobody cares. He'll tell you that nobody wants to help. He'll tell you that nobody is really praying. He'll tell you that, that, that why would a God do this to you if he really loved you? No God would do this to you if he loved you. He'll lie to you and lie to you and lie to you, but you gotta go to the word of God I beg you to trust the promises of God. God has promised you that he is the God of all comfort. He'll be there for you. You say, but Brother Hooker, it's just so hard to understand why we would have to go through this. Why we would have to suffer this. I can only tell you that I had no comprehension what it meant to, to lose a parent until I stood and preached the message over my mom. And it was a terrible thing to go through. And, and I, 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 even to this day, I, I would sometimes say, Lord, uh, what would it have been if she had just been, I mean, 60 is such a young age and Never got to see so many of her grandchildren. But that experience, I'll be honest with you, allows me to comfort others when I stand and preach a message about their family. Because I'll be honest with you, the pain is renewed every time I preach a, a funeral about someone else. I realize that home going for them is I, I, that pain all of a sudden resurfaces in my heart again. It's there again. It's called empathy. And you can sympathize with someone until you experience the pain, but now it changes. And if you really love people, it suddenly becomes empathy. And you say, Brother Hooker, what's the difference? Sympathy means I feel for you. Empathy means I feel what you feel. I feel it. I could never understand the pain that a young wife would go through, a young husband would go through to lose a spouse. 
But to go through the days and even what became months and, and two and a half years of a daughter who had lost her husband. I went to a memorial of a young missionary and there the wife of that young missionary stood up and she spoke and she did such a wonderful job because her husband had died. And you think this, this young couple serving God in Central America, such a wonderful couple and, and such a freak kind of thing. He, he told her just a day or two before that he felt like he was, God was coming very close to him. He felt like something spiritual was happening in his life. And they came home from an activity with teenagers there in Central America. And, and, and he came and, and he, it, it, when they got there, realized they were locked out of their house. And so something he had done several times, he climbed up to a, a window to crawl in the window. And whatever he was climbing on gave way and he fell and killed him instantly. As we stood there, Somebody came to me and said, how can we help her? And I looked and my wife and I, without hesitation, started going down the list of what she's going to go through. We had never known that. You can read it in a book, but it doesn't mean anything. And everything that we described to them is what that little girl's going through now. And they even looked at us and said, but I don't think that's what her situation because she's, she seems like God is just taking care of her and giving her so much grace. And I looked at him, I said, she doesn't even know she's here today. Yes, she's, God is blessing and she spoke like a, a queen behind the pulpit about her husband. And, and I said, incredible. But I said, but she does not even no, she won't even hardly remember it today. Now, we would not have known that and been able to help the people that have been helping her and their family to help her, except that we experienced it. Now, I know your first thought is, I don't want to have to experience anything to help anybody. And I don't want you to have to either. I came to explain because either you're going through it or you have gone through it or you will. And when it happens, if you don't understand what God is doing, we can get angry. We can get bitter. We can turn on God. And I'm going to beg you right now. I'm going to plead with you. When it happens in your life, and it's going to happen to all of us at some point, when it happens, let the God of all comfort comfort you. Trust his word. Trust his promises. When he comes. And then understand this, and I beg you to see. God now wants you to help someone else. The worst thing that we can do is cocoon inside of ourselves and take the comfort that God has given us and cocoon inside of it and not use it. The most terrible thing is when we go through a trial, when we have a loss, and God comes and he blesses us, and, but then 
forgive me, but it's almost as though the pain, the loss gets wasted if we don't comfort someone else. So many times in sowing, and I'll say it to whoever's here this morning, so many times I'm out witnessing to people, I'll say this. Jesus died on the cross, shed his blood and died, was buried and rose from the grave for you and for me. But watch. When we reject him, the blood that was shed for you in a great sense, was wasted. The suffering he went through for you was wasted. Don't let the suffering that you've experienced be wasted. That's an opportunity for an incredible ministry. Dr. Lee Robertson lost a four-year-old child. You know what he did? He started a camp for children because God comforted he and his wife and he said I'm going to use this to comfort others Jesus suffered above all so that he could bring eternal comfort to all the one who is lost and finds salvation is the one who can then take salvation to another but the salvation is always God's and I challenge you again if God has brought salvation to you eternal life to you. It was so you could give it to somebody else. Not just so we could go to heaven, but so that we could give it to someone else. People who find God's comfort are the only ones who can truly comfort someone else for no one can be comforted by someone else until the comfort of God flows through them. I'd just like to ask you, if, if you're struggling and you've been through a lot, God wants to comfort you. He wants to comfort you through his word. And, and I've done a poor job this morning, I'm sure, but I wanted to comfort you in some ways this morning and let you know that it's not without purpose. You're not going through this because just because there's some mean God that wants to allow it to happen to you. You're not going through this because there's a God that doesn't care. He, uh, he knows that you're suffering. He I believe God hurts when you suffer, but he comes in the bounds of mercy and his bowels of, of love. He comes and he says, I love you and I come with all mercy. I come with all comfort because God loves you. And that's what he wants to do today. Don't feel like you're suffering without a purpose. You're suffering when no one cares. God cares. God cares. God cares, and, he, and what he can do is incredible. God cares so much that he comforted. And we watched this little couple there as they report over the baby and, and the different things going on with the baby. And that this eight-month-old, Rowan, there, and so much. And I even told somebody some of the pictures as I looked at, at her. They, it looked like she was, had already been taken to heaven. She looked so gray and so, so, so horrible. And, and, and this morning, I get a, a, a picture and in, in information as we've been praying. They just told them that what's happened to the baby and 
And a staph infection in the lungs may mean if she lives would probably be four months in the hospital. But we've been praying and, and Sean and Erica standing there and writing that God is still good. Every time Sean writes to me, he says, God is still good. God is still working. And this morning they sent a picture. It said the fever in the baby broke. And they sent a picture of a little baby awake and smiling at mom and daddy. I don't know where we are at it right now, but I just know what a joy. I burst into tears as I saw it because Sean and Erica are taking a trial and they're allowing God to comfort their hearts and watch sometimes the Almighty God will come with a miracle in the midst of the trial. So I beg you, don't turn on God. He knows you're going through it. And he didn't do it to your sin in this old world has brought suffering. But thank God he has brought, just like he brought eternal life through Jesus, he has brought physical comfort in this life for us. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're heartache is. But if you're suffering this morning from the greatest tribulation, which is the penalty of sin, if you don't know for sure you're going to heaven, that needs to be settled this morning. Let the God of all comfort come with eternal comfort. Jesus died on the cross for you. If you're suffering this morning because of a Heartache, and, you know. You say, "I know I'm on my way to heaven, but, but I, I have a horrible heartache in my in my life. A trial that we're going through. Some family members going through. Some extended family members going through. God is here to comfort you this morning. And I will. In just a moment, we'll have an opportunity to come to this altar. You can take a moment. You say, is it, must I come to an altar? No, but as the song said bow, about bowing the knee, as I looked at that song, I thought, I wonder if we really realize what it's saying. See, to bow the knee is to humble yourself before God. And there's something about the humility, the humbling of coming to an altar and asking God, telling God, I need your comfort. I need it. I need your comfort. You don't have to, but I think it's an important thing that God comes. And, and when you come, the truth is, this is the type of sermon, if, if you would need someone to pray with you, then come, come ask us. Come up here just for prayer. I say often, if you come to kneel, it, it, if you just raise your hand, if I raise your hand, I'll know you just need somebody to pray while you're kneeling and praying. Because sometimes you need someone who has been through it. Who has found God's comfort. And you may be struggling to find God's comfort, but God then brings somebody who has that comfort to be a, a funnel to bring it to you. So let us do that. Pray. Father, I pray that you bless us.